so a couple weeks ago, we started this uh, little series in this month that I called With Everything. And uh, let me just give you a quick refresher of the scripture we were looking at in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 28. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him a question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? How do you read it? The man answered. I'm sorry. Uh, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus told them, right, do this and you will live. Last uh, couple weeks ago when we opened this up, we started with the obvious. What does it mean to love God with everything, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength? And, and the truth is that some of us, we might love God with our heart, but not our mind. And some of us love God with all our soul, but aren't willing to give him our strength. And there's this dichotomy that goes on when it comes to trying to love God. And the truth is, we can't do any of it if it wasn't for Jesus and the sacrifice he made on the cross to enable us through his spirit to love God. God with everything. Now, it would have been easy to stop there, but when I read the scripture, I was thinking to myself, man, so often we read this passage and, and we focus just on that and, and we forget the caveat that's added right at the end. Not only are we called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but we're also called to love our neighbor as ourselves. So I want to take some time and look at what does it mean to love your neighbor with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Now, I just want to make sure for proper hermeneutics sake that I'm not saying that the scripture is telling you we have to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but I'm also not saying that it's against it because here's what I've understood as I continue to seek God's face and, and, and I think all of us as mature Christians, eventually we're going to get to this reality that it is not enough to just love God, not in God's eyes. To love God with everything means we must also love people. And right off the bat, in saying that, I know some of you are like, I really don't like people. I like persons, one or two. I don't like people. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you here, you're like, I'm not a, not a people person. Okay, like I get it. I get this. Listen, I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't necessarily like crowds. Like, I don't know if it's just that I've gotten older and I'd rather watch a game at home than, than in a stadium full of people that are dropping alcohol on me. Like, I, I don't know. I've just gotten to that stage. I'm not a big, you know, when there's a lot of people, I'm like, oh, this is kind of uncomfortable right now. Maybe it's because I'm a big guy and I always feel like I'm bumping somebody. But I know there's a lot of us that struggle with this. And, and let's be honest, people are annoying. People are mean. People are frustrating. Sometimes it's just easier to live by yourself and just do your own thing. But that's not reality of life. The reality of life is we are built for community. We talked about that last Wednesday at the prayer meeting. Every single human being is built for community. So we have a responsibility as a community to love people. So much so that listen to what 1 John chapter 4 says about it in verse 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. I mean, that's plain as can be. God is saying, listen, if you say you love me, but you don't love your brother or sister, I'm calling you a liar. 
For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, not a suggestion, not a, hey, maybe if you think about it, this might be beneficial to you, a command that you must follow. Anyone who loves God must also love their brothers and sisters. Now, again, I'll caveat this. Doesn't mean you gotta like everybody. There's some people like, eh, I don't really like that person, but I still love that person. There's times I don't really like you know, my kids, but I always love them. And if y'all are like, oh, I can't believe you said that, then you're probably not a parent because parents, you know, there are moments they say things that you're just like, oh, that's, that was, you're only three. Why would you say that to me? And I, just, I don't like you, but you're lucky I love you because loving is so much more important than liking. Liking kind of goes back and forth, but loving is a choice that we make in spite of the circumstance, in spite of what a two-year-old says to you, we choose to love anyway. And so that's why as we continue to go into this passage, when Jesus is having this conversation with this religious lawyer, he goes into it and, and the, the lawyer's like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, can you expound on it a little bit? And he asks this question in Luke 10, verse 29 and 35. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. This is a wonderful example of how to love your neighbor with everything. In this small passage, we see an example of what it means to love your neighbor with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And this is, this is something that has to be intentional. We don't accidentally love our neighbors. We have to be intentional about loving our neighbors. And, and there's a few kind of thoughts that I want to chime in on, and I want to make sure that I get this all in. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. What does it mean to love your neighbor with all your heart? Listen to what he said. He said, he saw the man lying on the road, and he felt compassion for him. Now, let me give you context on why this is such a big deal. When this Jewish man and his disciple, Jesus' disciples, are hearing this story, they're like, okay, so there was, there was a, a priest. Uh, he's expected to help. And then there was a temple assistant. He's also expected to help, but he's a little bit lower on the rung from the priest. And then comes the third one. Usually when they would tell stories, it would be in three parts like that. And so this guy probably is already thinking, oh, I get it. I see where you're going. Uh, the priest didn't help. The temple assistant didn't help. But us, the common Jew, we should help. And then Jesus kind of throws it in a major twist. And he said, no, 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 not the common Jew, a despised Samaritan. See, hundreds of years before this passage, when the, the people of Israel had rebelled against God and God allowed them to be taken out of Jerusalem and into exile, uh, a lot of the poorer Jewish people began to intermarry with some other exiles from other nations that were brought into Babylon. That group of individuals began to develop and form what is now known as the Samaritans, who kind of had a, a, a watered down, um, mixed version of Judaism and 
paganism that they convoluted and, and made up. And then obviously throughout the Old, uh, Old Testament, God always told the people of Israel, do not intermarry, keep yourself pure because they will drive your heart away and you'll begin to worship foreign gods. And so to the Jewish person, these are, are less than less. As a matter of fact, there's an, uh, an old saying that used to happen in, in the ancient Jewish times that uh, if a woman was a Gentile woman, somebody who wasn't Jewish, was bearing a child, that they wouldn't help her because all you would be doing is bringing another Gentile into the world. Like that's how much they despise Gentiles and Samaritans were lower than that. So, so this is racism, this is cultural prejudice, this is classism, I mean this is everything. This is the most despised group of people and this is the one that Jesus uses as an example of how to be neighborly. And so the, the idea that this person, this Samaritan, sees this wounded man. Now, we don't know if he was a Jewish man, a Gentile man, a Samaritan. We don't know specifically. The Bible doesn't tell us. But in the eyes of everybody, this is the last guy that would help. Now, let's just assume he was a Jewish guy who was beaten up and bruised on the ground. This Samaritan had every right to not help him. Had every justification in man's eyes to say, you wouldn't help me, so why would I help you? This is the difference between loving somebody with all your heart. The Samaritan may have been despised, but he did not need to despise others. See, this is what happens a lot of times with us. We like people who like us. We hate people that we feel hate us. And so we create this us-them situation and, and we create this division among people groups and among classes and among politics and among colors. And, and we come up with all these deviations that are man-made in order to say, no, that's us and them, and we're separated. It's easy to be unloving when people have been unloving to you. But listen, Luke chapter six, verse 32 and 36. I love what the scripture says here. If you only love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do only good to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to others for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. By the way, I need a couple hundred bucks after service, so don't expect me to repay you. It says, then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. He had compassion when he saw this person, and compassion leads to action. When you have compassion, there is a movement in your spirit to say, I gotta do something. I, I can't worry about whether he's this or that. I can't worry about what might happen around me. There is somebody in need, and my heart goes out to them. I have compassion, and so I have to move. If you're gonna love your neighbor, you can't just see the situations they're in and not have compassion for them. Now, I get it. Well, you can't save everybody. You can't do everything for everyone. But as the Spirit leads, when you see a situation, are you willing to have compassion? Are you willing to have that situation? I had a, a brother of mine who, uh, just a friend, and he, he was in a situation where he was going to be without a car for a few weeks. And so I just said, here, take my car. And he's like, don't you? I was like, well, no, we got a van now. Thank you, Jesus. And, um, and I'll just drive the van. And he's like, but we, we I was like, dude, it's, what have, what have I crashed? I was like, well, insurance, I guess. I don't know. Like, it's not that big a deal. Take the car. Why? You're in need, and I can provide for that need. 
And what was it going to, I mean, he brought it back with more gas than I gave it to him. So I came out winning. It's not really a big deal to me. But we got to look for these opportunities when we see a brother or sister that's in need, when we see a stranger or somebody that we can help. When an opportunity arises and the Holy Spirit moves your heart, are you going to move with it? Are you going to be willing to love your neighbor with your heart, with the compassionate desire to say, I want to do something about that, or I, I could do something about that? You know, we see that oftentimes. I remember there was a season uh, back in like the late 90s, maybe 97, 98, where we had this massive, massive blizzard, right? I was like several, several feet. And it was that season, you guys might remember, where everyone's cars were buried. This was like the year the whole chair thing got set up. Remember? And I, I think it's dumb now. It's like a quarter inch of snow and somebody puts a chair out there. That chair's going in the garbage. I don't care what you say. But it was massive, and everybody's cars were buried. And I remember me and my buddies, there was a bunch of us in the neighborhood around the same age. We all came outside, everybody looking at each other with the shovel in our hand. And without saying a word, one by one, we buried each other's cars out. We would go to one car, it'd be like 10 of us, we'd all work, bury the car out. And by the time we were done, we buried half the block's cars out. Why? That's my neighbor. That's my brother. And you know what? When we love on each other, and when we give our heart to one another, more gets done anyway. Less needs arise because more people respond in love. And by the way, we buried cars that weren't even part of our family's cars. Because we're like, we, we unburied that car, we unburied that car. Let's just do the middle one. <laughs> Let's just take care of this person. By the way, if the snow hits and, and you're plowing your driveway and you can just go a little bit further, go a little bit further. If you have an elderly neighbor and you know that they're in that kind of situation, shovel their driveway. Well, they, they don't even talk to me. You don't have to talk. Love speaks really loudly. Now, it could have been easy for him to just be compassionate. But sometimes, the thing that stops our heart is our head. And what I love about this guy is he not only loved him with all of his heart, he loved him with all of his mind. Why? Because he went over to him. This was a conscious decision to move in the direction of the wounded man. He didn't wait to be asked. He didn't wait to be invited. He saw a need and he moved toward addressing that need. He also used his knowledge to administer first aid. He poured wine on the wounds because wine has alcohol and alcohol is an antiseptic. It, it helps prevent from infections arising. He poured olive oil on the wound in order to soothe the wound so that it would ease his pain. These were things that he had for his personhood, and yet he used his knowledge and understanding to administer first aid to somebody in need. <clears throat> he saw the situation, he knew what he needed to do, and he did it. Listen to what James 4 reminds us in verse 17. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. See, a lot of us, we see the need, we know what we should do, and then we just keep moving on. This man could have had compassion and not action. He could have had a heart and said, man, Dito, like I hope he gets better. And then just kept moving. But instead what happened? He says, you know, I know what I need to do. And I know that I have to do it. Be careful about ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit when he's prompting you to act in a way that you could act. Because here's the reality too. It's not just that person that's gonna lose out or at least be delayed. But we miss out on the blessing of blessing others. And we'll get to that in a little bit. The other one, a point I want to bring up when it comes to thinking, not only did he uh, allow his mind to move into action, but he didn't overthink it either. 
Sometimes our struggle is not that we, we think wrong, it's that we overthink the situation. How many overthinkers in the room right here? You guys are frustrating. Just do it. Like, I don't know why you keep thinking about it. They didn't overthink. I imagine in my mind that the priest and the assistant of the temple were overthinkers. Here are just some thoughts I'm sure they would have had. They probably thought, this road is too dangerous for me to step over and help this man. They might have thought, uh, he, he might be a decoy for an ambush. Or, or I've got to get to temple and perform my services before the Lord. I don't have time to help this guy. Or, or I've got to get home and see my family. Someone should really help this man, just not me. Uh, I, if I'm going to serve at the temple, I can't get my clothes bloody because then I would be ceremonially unclean and then I can't do what I'm supposed to do, which is ironic that you're going to serve the temple but you ignore serving the people. Uh, they could have said, I don't know first aid. I don't have wine and, and oil on me. Uh, it's a hopeless case. Maybe that person deserved it. This job is too big. I can pray for him. He brought it on himself. He should have never been alone on a dangerous road. He never asked for help. That's what they get. These are all things that we think to justify our inaction. These are all things that we say to ourselves to feel better about ignoring the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now again, I want, I want to make sure that we're aware. I'm not saying you have to address every single need that you see because we know that that's not probable. What I am saying is when you know that the Holy Spirit is moving and giving you a chance and an opportunity to do something, don't ignore that voice. Because sometimes it's not just you, it's not just your God, it's not that you just feel bad, but it is truly a divine moment that God has orchestrated. Now, it costs this guy something to do that. And part of why we don't want to move sometimes, if we can be very transparent, is not because we don't care and not because we don't know what to do, but because we're kind of lazy. It's a lot of work. I don't want to deal with that. If I talk to this person, then they're going to talk to me and I got to... I got to sit there and listen to them. My wife, whenever she wants to bring up something as a lot of work, she has this tone. And, so, and, she, and it's a tone like the list is long, but it's not really long. But she, you know what I mean? She goes, then I got to get dressed and we got to get in the car and we got to go to the place. I'm like, hey, that's like three things. Why are you making it sound like it's this super long list? But the truth is, sometimes we don't feel like we got the strength to help somebody. But here's the reality. When we serve people, we serve God. You want to be used by God? Serve people. You want to feel the impact of God moving through you? Use it in your strength to serve people. Can I say, listen, praying over somebody for healing is just as spiritual as helping an elderly person move to a new apartment. We don't measure it that way, but when we serve people, we serve God. Listen, Matthew 25, 34 and 40. The king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. 
oh, we got to be careful. It's not just that individual that we're blessing. Listen, God is blessed with our worship. God is also blessed with our action. I've learned this even before I had kids, but I think parents will agree. You want to bless me, bless my children. You want to love me, love my kids. I was talking to Monica earlier about uh, how much I love the Puggles pictures that she posts. And, and just watching her and the other Puggles teachers loving on my kids and, and Martha. And I'm just like, man, thank you guys. Like my kid loves Puggles because you do all these interactive games with them and all these sensory things. And, and I, just, I just love that somebody loves my kids. It blesses me. Well, how much more is the Lord going to be blessed? When we bless those that are the least of these, and by the least of these, that's not in God's eyes, that's in our eyes. When we look at somebody, we go, they always need help. Well, then help them. I'm not saying you carry them for life, but when you bless that person with a drink of water, when you bless that person with a, a kind word, can you realize how far a kind word can go? Just a slight word of encouragement, just, just letting them know, hey, I notice you've been coming every week lately. I just want you to know how much that blesses me to see you. Hey, I, I, I've noticed that, that, you know, you're looking a little slimmer. Have you been doing something? No, I've just been wearing all black. Well, it's working. <laughs> Keep doing it. But those, those little things, you don't feel like it goes a long way. But man, you don't know the sweat that person had to go through to lose the one pound. And for somebody to acknowledge it and to say, hey, man, I like your hair. What'd you do? Oh, this? You know they came to church like, I hope somebody notices. <laughs> Shout out to Leroy, always keeping me fresh, my guy. Appreciate you. <laughs> Listen, we got to love God with all our strength. Sometimes that's tiring. Sometimes it's going to cost you something. Sometimes that means you're going to be at church all day. Oh, I was here for this service and then that service, and then I came back to help in this, and it was such a long weekend. Yeah. Don't you feel good? Don't you feel blessed? Doesn't it feel wonderful for God to use you? Because the reality, that's the last part that I want to chime in on. Loving God with all our soul. See, the man could have stopped where he was. He, he saw the need. He felt compassion. He went over. He addressed it. Right? So he, he thought it through. He goes and he, and he ministers first aid. And he would have been justified in leaving it at that. Hey, man, I, I, you know, this is all I got for you, bro. I hope you do good. Maybe you need to come back where you were at. I don't, you got my cell phone. You can call somebody. Right? On the road of Jericho. And so... He could, have, he could have justifiably left it at that. But now he goes the extra mile. Why? Because I believe that our soul is nourished when we sacrifice for others. Jesus had an encounter with his own Samaritan one time. The Bible says that uh, him and his disciples were together and they all went off to lunch and that he purposely went to this well to meet this Samaritan woman, which is, I mean, it's bad enough that he's talking to a Samaritan, let alone a woman by himself. And yet he has this encounter, this divine moment with this woman and, and he transforms her life. He, he reads her mail and he tells her everything that's going on and he, he tells her about the living water that she can have and that she'll never be thirsty again. And she goes into town and tells the whole town and all the townspeople come out and they listen to Jesus and the Bible tells us that eventually all of them came to that same understanding and, and it's this wonderful, powerful moment. And then the disciples show up again, all kind of like, duh, 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 like they don't know what happened. They have no idea what just went down. And listen to what happens in John 4, 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. It sounds like my mom. I don't know about y'all moms, 
It can be the worst situation in life. It's like, mijo, you should eat something. It's like, not right now, mom. <laughs> so here are the disciples looking at Jesus and going, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have the kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. <laughs> there is a satisfaction. I mean, there's a satisfaction when you go and eat, like if you ever just have fogo and you throw it down, it's like, yeah. I mean, there's a little regret, but there's mostly satisfaction. <laughs> like it's a good meal. But there is a different kind of satisfaction when the Holy Spirit moves and you, you allow the Holy Spirit to use you to serve and to lead and to help and to be a part of something. And the look on the other person's face when, when, you, when you realize you're on the receiving end of that blessing and there's this moment where you're like, that's addicting, man. I love that. I love that opportunity to be used by God and to be nourished because I know that God used me, a, a fool like me, a, an uneducated, unimpressionable person to do mighty, mighty work for his kingdom. And it can be simple things that are powerful in how they go. We had this, um, I don't know if you know, but I, I think I mentioned it before, we, we joined this organization called Care Portal, and uh, Care Portal is helping us partner with some of our local schools to provide for needs of children, especially children that may be at risk of being taken out of their home because they're missing some basic necessities like winter coats or, or, or beds or things like that. And so we had our first need come up, one of our nearby elementary schools, and there was a single mom whose children needed winter coats, and uh, this whole thing is under Pastor Evelyn's purview, and, and she's established one of our sisters, Josie, uh, who leads that front, and so they took on the project. Basically what happens is the need goes on the platform, we see the need, we have a budget for how much we wanna try to help, and then we uh, purchase the items, Care Portal steps out, the school steps out, and then we personally deliver it to the family. So Pastor Evelyn, Josie, and then a representative from Care Portal, they gathered all the things. They went to this precious mother's house. Uh, she's a recent Mexican immigrant. She has two little children, single mom. Really didn't have much. They needed coats and needed clothes. We went as far as buying her some things that weren't on the list, but we just thought, hey, we want to bless the mother too. We showed up about a block and a half away from our church. She was gracious enough to invite them in. Pastor Jason, if you can help us out. And as she was talking to Pastor Evelyn and Josie, she's not a believer, but she said, you know, when I was crossing the border, I met a pastor and he told me, I don't really have anything to give you, but can I pray for you? And so he prayed for me. And now look, God, God sent me another pastor to give my kids coats. It was an act of loving our neighbor. And it's so funny, as I was talking to Pastor Evelyn and Josie, we're all three just crying. How cool is that? That we got to give them coats. That we got to walk into her home and pray for her and, and plant a seed. And listen, I don't know if she'll ever come to Belmont. I pray she comes to Jesus. You know, we, we opened the door, we planted a seed. But if she goes to the church down the street, praise God. I, I don't care what church she goes to as long as she goes to heaven. But we got to be a part of the process. We got to plant a seed. And there was a nourishment that came from it. And I remember when I mentioned this whole project to Pastor Evelyn, she's like, another thing? I go, yeah, but we get to help kids. And then she looked at me, she goes, you don't fight fair. <laughs> I go, no, I, I fight dirty. <laughs> Why? 
because there's a nourishment for the soul when you allow God to use you and when you recognize I was part of that. I was a part of that blessing. Going back to Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, verse 36 and 37, Jesus wraps up the story and he says, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked the man, the man replied, the one who showed mercy. Which, by the way, isn't it kind of funny, it's the stubbornness of people? He refused to say the Samaritan. Oh, the guy who showed mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Jesus asked the expert of the law what the law of Moses says concerning how we are to live. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. We cannot claim to love God and fail to love each other. As a matter of fact, Jesus doubles down on this in the book of John, chapter 13. He says, so, verse 34, so now I am giving you a new commandment. By the way, in the Greek, this term new didn't mean new as in like a new creation, but new as in a restored brand new, like, hey, we're highlighting. This has always been something important, but now we're, we're bringing it up to the forefront. We're really polishing it off so that you understand. So this is the new commandment. This is the directive that we have to follow. Love each other. I love how short that is. What's my commandment, Lord? What are you asking of me? Love each other. Okay, but like who? Each other. And what am I supposed to do? Love them. <laughs> well, love each other. Just love them. Why? Just as I have loved you. Think about this. Jesus loved us when we rejected him. Jesus loved us when we were his enemy. Jesus loved us when we were being stubborn and fools. Jesus loves us when we fail, when we mess up. Jesus loves us when we turn our back on him. Jesus loves us when we cheat on him and we do things that we're not supposed to do in his face. Jesus loves us in spite of how far we short or how short we fall of his righteousness. Just as I have loved you, that's the bar. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Why would anyone believe that your God loves them when you don't? Why would I even want to go to your church? You're a horrible human being. You're cold-hearted. You're mean to everybody at the job. You belittle me. You're not kind to me. When I needed something, you walk past me. What kind of Christian are you? I don't want to be a part of whatever you're a part of. But the opposite is true. When someone is loving and kind and generous, and goes out of their way to help. They, they, people start to notice and they go, well, why are, you, why are you like this? I mean, come on, y'all. Like, especially in Chicago, anytime somebody's remotely nice, you're like, what's, what's going on? What are you really trying to, what's your angle? And when they realize my angle is, is to love you, which by the way, my angle is not to convert you. That's my hope. That's my desire for everyone I come across. But I'm not being kind to you as a way to manipulate you and encourage you to go to my church or to believe in my God. It's in my loving you that I hope you will do that. It's the very act of being a loving, kind, generous, decent human being that people will look at you and say, I've not met God, 
but I met his representative. I've seen his action figure walking around. The world doesn't understand or believe our theology. They don't comprehend the power of God's word. They're blind to God's fingerprints over everything. But what they won't ignore is our love. Our love for them will draw them into understanding God's love for them. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close out. In a moment, I want to leave the believers in this room with a challenge. Action steps that I believe we are to take as believers. But before I do, I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. You might be in this room because someone loved you. It might have been a family member. It might have been a co-worker. It might have been a friend. Somebody loved you enough to invite you to the place where they've discovered the very definition of love. Someone loves you enough that they've been praying for you. Someone loves you enough that they've been seeking God for you. And no matter how much that person loves you, I'm here today to let you know that God loves you more. And that everything he did on the cross was for this one primary reason, to have a personal relationship with you. So with every head bow, every eye closed, I just want to make sure, just in case there's even one person here, if you're in this place and you have been feeling this need for God's love in your life, I want you to know that's the Father drawing you in. And the Bible says that all you have to do to receive that love, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord. Well, what about all the rest? You figure that out later on as you grow in your relationship with God. But the very first thing is admitting, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I don't want to keep doing this on my own. I believe that God loves me and I want to respond to his love. So if there's anyone here who says, Pastor, that's me, whether it's your first time or maybe you drifted away from God and and you're just coming back and you realize, I don't know about church, I don't know about this, I don't know about that, but I know one thing, I miss the love of God and I want that in my life. So whether it's your first time or you're coming back to Jesus, if that's you with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you, sister. Anyone else says, that's me, Pastor. Again, I just want to take a moment if that's you. One more moment and then we're going to pray. Amen. Let me pray for you, sister. Church, would you just help me all together? Let's say this. Jesus, I thank you that I can love you because you first loved me. So I ask you, God, to forgive me of all my sins and all my unrighteousness. Help me, Lord, to love you the way you love me. Bring me into your kingdom and help me, Father, to lead others to you too. I pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Now, church, I want to challenge you. There are neighbors. What's a neighbor? Anyone near you. People at your job, people at your school, people in your community, people in your family. There are neighbors 
who are desperate to experience the love of God even though they don't know it. And all it takes to begin that journey is for you to show them that same love. So I want to challenge you. Listen, next month, at the end of the month, I know it feels weird, but March 31st, that's Easter. That's that window where people are kind of maybe open to coming around church. I don't want to wait till then. If God gives you an open door, take the open door. But I believe now we're going to start planting some seeds that God willing are going to bear fruit soon. So I want to encourage you. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. As the Spirit leads and you see an opportunity, it might take 10 minutes out of your day. Sacrifice. You might be going a little while. It might cost you financially. Sacrifice. Allow your heart to move you. Don't let your mind prevent you. Take the strength to lead you and allow your soul to be nourished in the strength of knowing God used me. Amen? Let me pray for you and then we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every believer in this room, God. And I thank you for the word that you've given us, Lord. Father, how often we need to be reminded just to love people. And Lord, I pray against any kind of prejudice. I pray against any kind of racial issue. I pray against us looking down on anyone, God. I pray against even sometimes, God, as believers, we, we look down on unbelievers as if we weren't them at one point. And Lord, I pray, humble our hearts, almighty God, and help us to love our neighbor the way you loved us, God to show compassion when there's a need, almighty King, to, to allow our minds to, to make a conscious decision to do something. Lord, to use our strength and our abilities to bless others and to feel and be excited about the nourishment of our soul when we do the very things you have called us to do. God, we don't just want to see this room filled. We want to see the kingdom of God filled. And so, Lord, help us, Father, to be building blocks and not stumbling blocks. To be opportunities for people to come to you and not the reason people turn away from you. Help us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And we thank you for all that. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. amen. Come on, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen, amen. Church, I want to encourage you. We'll see you this Wednesday night at the prayer meeting. Next Sunday, we're going to finish this series, How to Love Yourself. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you on Wednesday.